Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Travel Group. Southwestern Travel crafts custom, memorable travel experiences for meetings and incentive travel, leisure travel, and student group travel for clients around the world. We connect travelers to memorable destinations and life-enriching experiences through personalized counsel and management of all the travel details. Our team of travel advisors design itineraries and experiences to best match with you and your group's travel style and interests. Southwestern Travel goes above and beyond to elevate your corporate events and personal trips. To bring your next inspired event or leisure trip to life and receive a free destination guide, go to www.southwesterntravel.com forward slash action. We are excited to share our guest with you today. Jenny Bukos is a multi-award-winning director and producer. She is the founder of the Project Explorer Educational Nonprofit, a multimedia education strategist, and an agent for global citizenship. She launched Season 1 of Crash Test World, a family-focused TV series with Carrie Byron and intuitive content for broadcast in fall of 2019. She serves as the show's creator and executive director. In 2003, before the existence of YouTube, she founded ProjectExplorer.org, a free multimedia website designed to educate primary and secondary school students about global issues and world cultures and histories. She has directed and produced over 500 short films, working with leaders and visionaries, including Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Belize's First Lady, Kim Simplice Barrow, Ziggy Marley, and Anthony Bourdain. An international specialist in video and media-focused curriculum design, Jenny provides consulting services for educational, cultural, and nonprofit organizations focused on increasing student access and engagement. Jenny has traveled to over 70 countries. When not traveling, she splits her time between Brooklyn, New York, and Amsterdam, Netherlands. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Action Catalyst, and we are so grateful and excited to have Jenny Bukos with us today. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks for having me. You're a global traveler. You got in from overseas just last night, so we appreciate your energy and spot-on with itness this morning. Not a problem. I live in a constant state of jet lag, so this is just par for the course. Yeah, well, that makes total sense. Your story is truly, truly remarkable. Uh, from a small town in New York City to working with one of the largest banking organizations in the world in Tokyo. And then just as 9-11 shaped so many people's lives, it also had an impact on yours. Could you go back in time a bit and tell us about that twist and turn for you? Uh, yeah. So I grew up in a small community, a town of 800 people called Fonda, New York. It had one blinking traffic light and kindergarten through 12th grade all in the same building. Um, had never really left the country beyond Canada, but this was before you needed a passport to go to Canada. Um, went to university, moved to New York City, had studied Shakespeare and thought, I'm going to be an actress. 
went to one open audition and said, this is not for me. There were 300 other people there for the same role. So started talking to friends and and family and they said, well, if you're not going to be an actor, the only way you're going to survive right now is to get a waitressing job or a temp job. Found a temp job at an investment bank and they said, hey, you're pretty smart. We'd love to send you to do some recruiting in Hong Kong and Tokyo. I said, I don't have a passport. Got me a passport. And at age 22, they dropped me in Asia, my first experience abroad. Wow. So that was sort of the step to me becoming a global traveler and what set me on the path to becoming what I call a global citizen. Um, I'm not going to say I enjoyed that experience because no one ever told me, um, you know, learn how to say please, hello, and thank you in a foreign language. If you get stuck, talk to the concierge. I was a 22-year-old kid from a farming community. Um, But I embraced it. I, I went with it. I did it for six months. Came back to New York City after my experience. And as you said, September 11th hit. And how it um, affected me beyond living in New York City was I noticed that anything different was something to be feared. And that didn't match with the experience I had had abroad. It was difficult. It was different. But it was not something to be feared. Um, Lost my job after September 11th, as did many bankers. And took my severance package and figured, what am I going to do with this money and time now that I have that could give kids as much exposure to something different? And that was the evolution of the career I have now. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about Crash Test World. I think there have been six episodes out so far. You've had many, many educational programs, interviews, documentaries before that, and all of your travels. But this is a truly, truly innovative idea with with Carrie, who's uh, such a wonderful host. Uh, Share with us how that came about. So Crash Test World is 10 years in the making, but 17 years of my career. So when I left the bank, I started a nonprofit organization called Project Explorer. And that was to provide multimedia content for free to any student anywhere in the world to make sure that they grew up Um, understanding different cultures, different religions, different political views, different um, languages. And over 17 years, we have provided those materials to 6 million kids in 5,300 U.S. schools and sort of become the leader in making sure that kids grow up globally competent um, in the K-12 space. Crash Test World came about about 10 years ago when people were saying, well, you're doing this online. Why aren't you doing this on television for families? This is not just a classroom tool. This is something that families would love to discuss around the dinner table. So I said, well, I've never produced television. I've never written television. I don't know how television works beyond turning it on. <laughs> um, and I had some incredible people around me who said, we will help shape this if you want to do this. Um, Five years in, we started talking to networks and everybody said, it's too smart. Nobody's going to want it. So I figured, well, I think I, I, I believe people do want this type of content. I believe that people want to be inspired. People want to learn about the world. People want to understand what's going on beyond their own community. So we went out and philanthropically funded the entire thing. After doing two episodes television networks came to us and said, when is it going to be done? We, we want it. So that's Crash Test World. Crash Test World is all about big ideas um, and the biggest challenges of our time. So how can we make our cities more sustainable? How can we live in peace? And it's solution-driven. So we ask these big questions, and then we feature people under 30 who are solving these problems every single day. It's inspirational. It's aspirational. It's educational. 
And I watched a good bit of the Berlin episode. It also is about tearing down walls, literally yes. and figuratively. Absolutely. I mean, that, that one, um, you know, I kind of avoided because it can be viewed as a little political. The, the theme behind that is do walls work? But when you look at Berlin, Berlin is a historical wall. It has nothing to do with um, talking about immigration issues, or it has everything to do with talking about immigration issues. It's how the viewer sort of perceives it. Um, but there's no, I mean, there's no question the Berlin Wall existed, it went up, it went down, and that it didn't work. So um, I'm glad you watched that episode. That was our very first episode. Having been in, in Berlin and actually staying in, in the former East Berlin, seeing the side of the wall, seeing how multicultural that city is, it's really what it's about, is the realization that Homo sapiens are essentially all human, literally. That's correct. And we need to realize that. Jenny, you're bringing a passport to millions of people. You are their passport. That's, that was the aim. I wanted to provide virtual passports. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, if people say, well, you know, I can travel when I get older, do we really want all 7 billion people on the planet traveling? So there are people who will never have the opportunity to travel. There are people who will choose to never travel. But that doesn't mean you can't grow up with an understanding of the world. Well, that's a fact. And not only that, but you will inspire people to do whatever is necessary to travel. Because Absolutely. they're going to want to see these things themselves. Well, I hope so. I certainly hope so. That's that is a huge aim of what I do. So, well, how can we get kids? How can we get kids to experience something different, even if it's in their own community? Yes, absolutely, and get them interested in service, interested in awareness, asking the right questions, and doing something that's active and not just laying around and watching a video game. Absolutely. Oh, I think it's fabulous. Now, you said there were 300 people auditioning for that role. I think our listeners need to know that when you were named White House Champion of Change in 2012, there were 1,500 candidates for that one. So <laughs> I think you've got this audition thing down pretty well now. Well, that wasn't an audition. That was a very, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was a very inspired classroom that wrote letters for me to get that. Well, you also seem to me to be an amazing networker. Uh, your ability to simply write letters to people. In the early stages, people you didn't even necessarily know, but to, to inspire them, your experience at the Old Vic in London, Kevin Spacey and other people that just helped to inspire this. What, what is it that helps you be such a tremendous connector of people? Um, you know, I think it's luck. My, my parents always encouraged me to write thank you notes, um, you know, that's, and that's an art form that's not really there anymore. So I grew up writing letters. Um, and when I first started this, uh, you know, I was like, how do I get to people that are far more famous than I am? How do I get to Desmond Tutu? How do I get to Nelson Mandela? And I figured I'm going to write a letter because what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is somebody's either going to say no or they won't respond. They're not going to say you're a horrible person. I hate your idea. So, you know, it's just sort of, you know, putting yourself out there. It's a bit of vulnerability. But also when I started this, I was 22 years old and you know, I figured, why not write a letter to Nelson Mandela, um, sort of, you know, just being naive. Um, and it worked. And when I wrote my first letters, I was telling the story to a cab driver last night. Um, when I wrote my first letters, I put a, a tea bag in the letter. And I said, please take five minutes, make yourself a cup of tea, and let me tell you the story of Project Explorer. And to this day, 17 years later, people who I have worked with have said, I remember the handwritten letter and I remember the cup of tea. So it's just, you know, it wasn't expensive to do. It wasn't hard to do. It was just that moment. Like, how do you cut through the noise? But I never asked people for money when I started. I said, 
I'd like your advice. Would you be willing to have a 10-minute conversation with me about what I'm doing? And then at the end of it, I would say, who should I be talking to? My whole business has been built on that. Um, Mm. And usually people will get involved. They'll donate. They will connect you with someone who could potentially move your organization to the next level. So a lot of it is just being naive and just asking people for a conversation. But also when students approach me saying, I'd like to be a TV producer, I'd like to be in front of the camera, can I take you for a cup of coffee? Can I have 10 minutes with you? When they take the time to do that, I give them the time. Absolutely right. Well, I think you're far from naive. Uh, You know, naive sometimes has such negative connotations, but straightforward, direct, simple, and from the heart is really also what naive is about. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's just just fantastic. Um, now, our, our program, Jenny, is all about inspiration and insight. And our listeners are all over the map, uh, from entrepreneurs to people in businesses to nonprofits to people that just are wondering what's the next step. Surely along the way, in addition to losing your job, which was the seminal event for so much of this, you've hit some roadblocks, some, some brick walls. Um, what what are your strategies when you're going trucking right along and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, bam, and you can't see around it, under it, through it, anything? Mm. Mm, strategies. Um, I mean, I have been told no a lot, but that sort of just fuels my desire to get something done. Early on in doing this, I had somebody say, this is never going to work. Nobody's ever going to support this type of content for free. And that just fueled me that I'm, I'm going to prove this man wrong. A lot of people have asked me sort of what the recipe to success is in this, in in the work that I do. I just don't ever give up. This is the one thing that I want to do in my life. I've dedicated my entire adult life to it. I don't give up. If somebody says no, I just keep going and find another way. So Crash Test World is a great example. It turned out brilliantly, but it was not the pathway that I had set off on. I thought, you know, a television network was going to pay for it. And I thought it would be very simple. I didn't think it was going to take 10 years to get done, but I never gave up. Um, so that's kind of the secret ingredient. And that's kind of my, that's kind of my coping mechanism. Just if somebody says no, it fuels me to, to prove them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fantastic. And, and really what's enlightening about what you said, when you say 10 years, you know, for most of us, when we think about not giving up, we go for something two times, three times, and then say, well, this is not working out. 10 years is a level of commitment fired by your vision that is extreme and powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you mentioned the White House champion of change, that was a classroom that wrote a letter to the Obama administration saying, this video content has changed the way we learn and it has changed the way we view ourselves as youth activists. That right there is all the recognition I need for the 50 no's that I'm going to get that follow that because I know I made a difference in one person's life, one classroom's life. So if I just have, you know, those little moments of reinforcement from the the people I'm trying to reach, I can deal with all the no's, I can deal with the all the we're not interested. So that's what sort of fueled me for the 10 years of getting Crash Test World done, but the 17 years of running a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So really a lesson for all of us is, although we're going to have setbacks and disappointments, what we choose to focus on is the difference maker. We can focus Absolutely. on the good that's occurring, or we can focus on all this rejection and refusal and get overwhelmed and weighted down by it. Right. And if it's one life, it's one, you know, one kid you're reaching, that's all the difference. Oh, this is fantastic. Your parents must be popping their buttons with pride. 
I'm not even sure if they're still <laughs> on the earth, but they must be. They are, and they're kind of my biggest supporters. Um, actually, that whole community is, I just did a screening of Crash Test World for them, and all the people that I went to school with all have kids now. Um, so they all use the program. Um, it's fantastic. So I have that whole community as sort of like my cheerleaders. My parents are my cheerleaders. My sister has a kid, and, and they support it. Um, so that keeps me going as well. Oh, I, I can sure see that. Um, usually I ask my guests, well, how do you keep your edge? How do you keep from getting complacent? But I think you've already answered that a little bit. Would you, would you throw anything else on that one? Um, in business, how do you keep from getting complacent? Um, look here, at the end of the day, 17 years without bragging too much, I know I'm good at what I'm doing. Um, I do have kind of my my worst trait is when I'm not good at something, if I try something new, I immediately give up. So I just focus <laughs> on what I'm good at. So for example, like my husband loves to dance and I'm not good at it. So I just tell him I don't want to dance. Um, yeah, I think it, it is finding that one thing that you're really, really good at and putting everything into it. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, at the end of the day, most of us are average in everything we do. Um, and we're only truly exceptional when we find something we might be good at and follow it for a very long time. Look, it takes time, energy, money, focus, determination to be truly extraordinary at something. Mm -hmm. um, and I think right now, 17 years in is now what I'm starting to get really good at something. So I'd like to see what happens in like decade three, decade four of dedicating <laughs> my life to one thing. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yes, and I admire that so much. I, I look forward to the many stories about you, how you became an overnight success. Only took you 30 years. <laughs> Everybody says that. They're like, this is so great. Like you got the TV done, the TV show done so fast. I'm like, no, it was 17 years. And before that, like I was in school in production and I volunteered for nonprofits. So it really is from like the age 22 to whatever age I am now. <laughs> right. Well, the way you said Find something you're really good at, something you're really focused on, and work at it for a very long time. I really believe that's a powerful message for the age, because when we have so many people that uh, are focused on developing a unicorn startup or become a billionaire before they're 30, uh, I think they're really missing the point of life, which is that life is meant to be lived and life is meant to be experienced. And when we're focused on something that we're good at, we add value to the world, and it's a net improvement in the universe. Absolutely. So anyone who wants to become, you know, the, the, the overnight success story is like one in, in half a billion, um, yeah. you know, 7.2 billion people on the, the earth. There are a handful of people that are overnight success or born geniuses. Everything else has to be worked at. That's right. And not, and not giving up, which I think is a fantastic lesson that you've just shared. Right. Oh, that's great. Uh, now here's kind of a, a, a different sort of question. You travel all over the place. Your time zones must never be very consistent. Do you have a, a morning routine, a first thing in the morning that you use to help you stay centered, to stay focused, to stay calm? Anything that, that you could share with our listeners? Because it's always fun to hear about these, these things. Um, I'm married to an Englishman, so it's a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's very, there's a, an English you know, sort of philosophy. When anything goes wrong, your friend or your family will say to you, I'll put the kettle on. Um, so it's a cup of tea before we start anything. And it's a very civilized way. You get out of bed, you make your cup of tea, you sit back in bed, you read the newspaper, and then you start your day. But before you hurry around, you know, I don't get ready and drink my cup of tea. I take my 10 minutes to have my cup of tea, my moment of sort of Zen for the day. 
and then I can go on with everything crazy. Oh, I think that's perfect. Just get into a calm place and a cup of tea is good for so many reasons in that regard. I think that's so good. (laughs) And it's easy. You can do it anywhere. So, um, yeah. (laughs) That is very true. You don't need any fancy equipment. That's correct. And cup of tea is a worldwide phenomenon. So wherever you are, you can enjoy that. So that's good. Um, Jenny, some of our listeners are, are pretty discouraged right now for things that are happening in their lives, maybe in their business. Um, they've been shut down. They, they really can't see alternatives. We talk about being dealt a hand of cards. In this case, they look at their hand and there's not a single face card. It's a mess. Um, what advice would you give for people that just aren't sure where else to turn? I've gone through some really difficult things in my life in the last five years. Um, divorce. I had some health issues. And for like six months, I was really in that, like how terrible my life is. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to continue my business and my my life is falling apart. And at the end of the day, at the end of six months, I realized you have a family, you have one person, even if it's just one person in your life that looks out for you and cares for you. So if you have that, if you have a roof over your head, even if it's not your own home, if you have somewhere to stay and you know where your next meal is coming from, you've already won the lottery. Um, because there are so many people on the planet that don't have a place to live, don't have anyone in their life that they can go to, and don't know where their next meal is coming from. So if you can start from that point of, I have the basics, you're already in a good position. So I think that every time when things get stressful or something goes the wrong way or something bad in my life happens, that I have my family, I have a place to sleep, and I know where my next meal is coming from. That's profound and very real. Um, When we dwell on what's going wrong, we get more of it. When you travel and you realize that there are people who are struggling just to feed their family, you have already won. Being born in the Western world, you've pretty much already won the genetic lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a, a, a very you know, tough thing to say if, if people are going through hard things, but you've, you've already won. You have access to education. You have access to services. You have, there is somebody who will help you, um, if you if you choose that help. And think about all the billions of the people on the planet who don't have that. Yes. Well, you use the phrase, you've already won, but you're not saying in the way many people say, I've won and the winner take all. You're saying, because I have these advantages, I feel a sense of obligation and duty to share. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, not, not, you know, I, when I first started traveling, I went with a group of people to Southern Africa and we had six people who had never been to the African continent and I had never been there either. And when we came back from that, six of those people wanted to give everything away. They wanted, they're like, well, you know, we engaged with people who didn't have clothes. They didn't have a place to stay. They wanted to give everything away. And my path was, how can we lift these people up? Um, not a hand out, but a hand up. How can we level the playing field? So that's sort of how, that's my obligation not to give back, but to be a catalyst for change, for to level the playing field, to make sure that everybody has a voice at the table. Everybody has a seat at the table. Everybody has equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really empowering people to do what they can do. Right. And that's very different than a handout. So, you know, how can we put people in school? How can we engage them in community um, conversations? You know, what can we give them that they need to become Mm self-sustaining? Well, handouts can create a sense of dependency 
And what you're trying to do is create independency. Absolutely. So that they can then give back. Yeah. Well, I think it's great. Uh, I know you're acquainted with Terry Rickard, who's president of Southwestern Travel Group. Yeah. Uh, Terry's story in my podcast, really very, very, very similar. Seeing an opportunity, being willing to work at it for a really long time. I think the two of you could become really good buddies. I think we're already on that pathway. <laughs> well, that's good. I know they're excited about being the exclusive travel provider for Crash Test World, which is Yeah, it's terrific. great. You know, it's something we've been trying to do for a while. So after you engage in the content that we provide, what is the next step? The next natural step is to take a trip abroad. But mm-hmm. how can we make those trips? Let's just not tick landmarks off of our, you know, our checklist, but how can we really understand a community? How can we engage in a community? And that's what I think Southwest Travel uh travel and trips have done um, mm-hmm. to really provide those opportunities. Well, that's the goal. I know in, in our, our oldest business, which is college students having their own sales businesses in the summer on the incentive trip, they always have a day that is a service project in the community and yeah. they get away from the resort and they are playing with children and they're working to clean up a park and they're being with the families because that is beyond what most people ever experience from travel. And it's the right thing. Right. And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not just impacting the community, but when they come back, they've taken something back that improves their professional lives, their personal lives. It's not just a one way. Um, mm-hmm. It's absolutely it's why you give to charity, right? You mm-hmm. give to charity to help an organization, but it also makes you feel good. Well, it's true, and that yeah. benefits everybody all around. Absolutely, so I think it's fantastic. So, Jenny, is there a book in your future? <laughs> I know you're a video person, but I mean, here's the thing. I hate writing. Um, I will write for television. I write a lot of the the content. Um, I am a visual person. However, if somebody wanted to co-write a book for me or follow me around and try to extract what's in my head, I would absolutely do a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there are more people that can write than people that can do what you've done. So, <laughs> listeners, send it to Jenny. Send it to me. Send it to me. And I have some crazy. I have some crazy stories, like tea with Desmond Tutu and hiking with the Queen of Jordan, and so I've got some good stuff. Oh, I know you do. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I feel uplifted and encouraged today, Jenny, spending this time with you. Thank you. No, thank you so much for what you do every single day, make a difference to families and make a difference in our world. Great. Well, thank you for letting me share my story. Absolutely, and best of success to you, and keep up the great stuff. Wonderful. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.